Welcome back to another awesome episode of Naked Sunday. I'm your host, Leb. I'm here with my bro, Jay. And we're going to get weird today. No, not weird. We're going to get insightful. We're going to get all up in our feels. Talking about blame and the cost of holding a grudge. So we're going to get real sensitive. I know. Your facial expression, as I said that, just got like, I could feel... I could feel the sensitivity and the like the intensity on the other side. Well, you know, I think there. You say we're going to get weird. I think it is weird. I think most people don't talk like this, and you know, it's it, it's weird. It's uh, you know, for the listeners, we've you and I have been having a lot of deep conversations later. We recently filmed uh, a course, and we're just digging deeper and deeper. We're peeling off those those layers of the onion, as I keep saying, and um, I think today's going to be no different. So let's uh. Let's get the feels ready. Let's get the feels ready. I think blame is probably uh, one of the harder things to, to get over, right? You know, it's, it's when we're feeling very justified when we're um, going through a fallout or going through just like any type of messy situation. We want to like protect ourselves. And you can see how it's so easy to just point the finger of blame at somebody else point like the push the responsibility onto the opposite side so that we don't have to feel like we have done something wrong because we want to, you know, for whatever reason, we want to protect our own egos and make ourselves, um, we want to look good. Right. But I think we don't understand that. Uh, that's really what I want to explore today. It's like, I think that we don't really understand that by pushing the blame away, we're actually taking on a far bigger burden um, that we don't even realize is like kind of like the weight of the iceberg that's underneath like the little peak above the, uh, above the, uh, the water line. Exactly. There you go. See, finish each other's sentences right there. We finished each other's sandwiches. (laughs) Sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, so I mean, we can easily go like start relating to like our own situation. Um, I think for a long time, we both, I mean, I can just, I also speak for myself. Like I definitely knew like where I felt on my end, I was like with my anger and my resentment, you know, feeling a certain way, I would push a lot of the, the blame of like, he did this. I'm angry. You see how all the other things like, this is a problem. And then of course, like I've talked about, like it was definitely throwing the baby out with the bathwater, not really like kind of taking ownership of my own stuff at that time. And I didn't even, it took probably like a couple of years for me to realize like that constant feeling, that constant mindset was actually just keeping me, it was keeping me in this endless loop of anger and frustration and loneliness and just uh, grossness. Um, and it didn't really allow me to, you know, break free of just like the misery that I, you know, I was, I was looping myself into this story. Um, how did you... Well, one, did you kind of go through a similar thing? And two, if you did, I'm kind of interested to hear, like, what did, what was the turning point for you to, like, come out of that situation? Yeah, I think in in any sticky situation, typically where it's, like, relationships are ending or partnerships are ending or feelings are hurt, uh, for a long time, I would blame others. I would, I would always blame the other person, right? So in, in our situation, it was, you know, if, if that's what you're referring to, you know, the, the business partnership is ending at the box. 
yeah, I blamed you 100%. You know, maybe, maybe not 100%, but very close to it. And it was little to zero ownership. And that, I mean, that's something I've really done my best to change in my own mindset, you know, recently going through some changes uh, and, and dealing anytime there's stress in your life. It's like, I blame this. Like you really immediately try to cling to something that you can lay the blame to where I'm, I'm really focused right now on, okay, I did something like this is, I'm part of this. If you're a part of something, be it a, a relationship, a business, a, you know, a friendship that goes sour, you are part of the problem. You need to take ownership. Yeah. I mean, it takes two to tango, right? I think it's really hard for like in, in the moment when you're angry and there's just like all this type of negative feelings flowing through you. You don't want to, again, it's protecting your own ego to make sure that you can come out on the, on top and, and feel like, uh, you know, you can be the hero in your own story. Um, yeah. I, I want to say, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the book extreme ownership by Jocko. Mm -hmm. um, not cause I, I, I really love the concept and that's where I grasped it from. I wasn't into the war stories. Like that's just not my thing, but I really loved the idea of extreme ownership and, and in, in business, what I've tried to do, especially is, you know, say you delegate a task and it doesn't go the way you want. That's your fault. And that was probably the first place I really started to, to take extreme ownership. I was like, okay, I asked you to do this. You did it completely wrong, but I, that's on me. I didn't express to you what I wanted well enough, you know, and, and, and that's just a small microcosm of it. You know, obviously in a relationship, it's the same thing. You know, this is going wrong. That's on me. What could I have done better? And you have to look at that about everything. And as soon as you can, the world gets easier. Here was something that was really interesting uh, because I actually talked to Ian about this. And for anybody who doesn't know, Ian is also just a beloved business partner. I've been who and I, you know, owned the gym afterwards together. Um, and I was, because he has talked about how he listens to the podcast and everything. And we were talking about, you know, who his perception of like being the observer of our situation during the time, but then also really relating this to, uh, to how he interacted with me because he's watching me change and grow over time and hearing his perception and his stories and his, uh, outlook on like how I was behaving during those times, I didn't even realize how he was seeing me during all of this. Um, and as I bring this conversation up and for anybody who might be holding a lot of resentment towards anybody else in their life, uh, which I hear plenty of people all the time, right? Because there's, there's always somebody who pisses us off, right? Whether it's somebody who's gone through a divorce and they're angry at their ex or it's a business relationship or it's a friendship fallout or any of those things. What I didn't realize is that I did not realize the impact of one singular situation and my set mindset about where we were and what that whole relationship and the fallout thereafter from it was. I didn't realize how it was affecting all my other relationships. And I could see how I was closing myself off to other people. I could see how I was presetting my other relationships to fail. I was definitely not being as open and trusting and uh, free and, and um, upfront about communication. Um, so it was really difficult to, I mean, here I am now and I can, I, I 
definitely appreciate his critique and his observations because now I can hear him like, wow, I didn't, if I knew then what I know now, I probably would have been a very different person or I probably would have behaved far differently from that because you don't even realize like you're actually putting off something far more negative than you are um, aware of during those times. So I think that that's something really important to reflect upon because what I didn't realize is that I was actually turning off a lot of other opportunities in my life as well. Um, because if say you're, you know, you're angry at somebody else and you're sitting there, you're, you're talking to somebody new and you're just like, yeah, oh, here's a little problems I have. Somebody else who's hearing this negativity and hearing you not take accountability for your own behaviors, somebody who holds a higher standard of execution, a higher standard of living or whatever that is, and holds their values in, in greater um, compliance, if you will, they're going to look at that and be like, mm, I don't know if I'm out, I'm about this. And uh, I had, um, I had a, who was I talking to? I was talking to a client and he was sharing a story about he was how he's chatting with somebody else about um, a story just watching me when a, a member had left probably, I don't know, half a year ago, something like that. And I was just like, I didn't, I didn't react at all. I was just like, Oh yeah, they're, they're gone now. They're whatever. They've moved on to something else. And he's like, somebody else had said, if this had been a year before Caleb been furious and like just livid because, you know, feeling like loyalty had been violated and this and that and the other thing. You got that from me. Hey there, Caleb. I thought I, uh, Caleb froze for a second. All right. So maybe I got that from you, quote unquote, but I was just following, you know, those are my patterns, my learning behaviors, right? And you're my mentor and whatnot. But the important part is, again, now as I'm thinking of Blaine, as I say that, right, got that from you, at the end of the day, it was like my behaviors. I have to take ownership of the fact, like, this is how I'm behaving. It's not somebody else before it. Like, doesn't matter where I learned it from. If I can now become of it you know then i need that, to, that, sorry you i'm excited to say that but you're right like here we are talking about blame and i'm basically saying you got that from me but that's the whole topic that we're discussing you you can it's like everybody like whether it was your mentor your friend your parents at what point do you stop blaming this on them and say yeah that's how jay used to act he was a damn fucking lunatic but i don't have to be that way yeah, and that, you know, as I took that kind of journey around that, the turning point for me around that was was a, a conversation I kind of had with myself. It's like, where does this come from? And obviously, we've talked a lot about in the past days and weeks about like our childhoods and our upbringing and who our, our exposures are, right? And you think about like when you're a child, like your your parents are your god figures, like you they, what they say goes and everything else. And you think about that when I went uh, on my, we'll call it my pseudo honeymoon to my, to France to visit my family over there. And my sister kind of had her wedding and or secondary wedding, whatever you want to call Why it. Why do you say pseudo? Because my entire family was there on my, my honeymoon. It wasn't like a trip. We're getting away. You grew up in a cult. Did you expect anything different? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, you know, we've, granted, we've talked about having, doing a separate, like her and I, honeymoon. We, I mean, I, you know what? I got just the place for you. 
Is it Colorado? It's Arvada, Colorado, right in my basement. There we go. We'll have a little, <laughs> a little honeymoon in your basement. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> we were, so we're there and I'm watching my, so my grandmother's there, my mother's there, my sister's there. And I'm watching the communication patterns between the three of them. And I don't know what it was. I was just like in a strange headspace for the, that moment. I was first time I kind of took like a real time, some real time away. Um, that was anything like really meaningful. Like I was gone for two weeks and I'm sitting there and I'm watching this unfold. And I can't say that they were all the best of communicators. I'm first watching how my mom and my grandmother are interacting. And you know, there's kind of like the old school, uh, you know, European mother thing going on there. And it's like, it's kind of a little bit harsh and a little bit that. And then I'm watching my sister and my mother kind of combatively do their thing there. And I don't know what it was. I'm just like, I sit back and I, I turned to, to, to Lexi that I was either there or like afterwards. And I was like, that all just made sense to me now. Like there's these, these pains that are being passed down through the ages. And it started to really help, especially because I've, I've coached my mom uh, on her own nutrition and things like that. When I start to think about like, where does stuff come from? And it really allowed me to humanize where people have come from. Like if they had some type of trauma, some type of pain, I needed to be able to speak to that. Um, and be able to understand that. So it actually, I found like this new level of empathy from actually watching this and be like, oh, well, if somebody has food issues or something like that, it probably comes from, maybe this is their coping mechanism or something along those lines. And I think that's what also helped me final, like I was understanding and starting to really start to appreciate what you and I had one created and the relationship you and I had, had generated during our time together at Albany because now like with my own family, I started to look back, like there's a reason why people go ahead and do stuff. Like my parents follow a certain, or they follow a certain religious path or, you know, my uh, friends or family, like they have, people have certain cultural obligations and, and certain uh, guilt and restrictions or whatever it is, or even just how we react to negative feedback, how we communicate through things. It's coming from something, right? We just talked about all about that as we were creating the mindset course uh, yesterday. And if, we can go far enough back and we can start to realize like the blame framework usually comes from like this. I want to protect myself from not feeling bad because I already feel whether it's shame or guilt or anger or pain or anything like that. It can, uh, it can really manifest itself for a really long time. And for me to watch that through basically three generations of it being passed down from wherever it's coming from, it really gave me this insight of like, wow, if I don't get my own shit in check, right, with passing this blame on because I feel whatever I feel, I feel hurt or feel whatever, I'm going to then talk to somebody else that I care about that I'm not even conscious about how I'm communicating. I'm going to pass that forward and somebody is then going to do that to somebody else and they're going to be subjected to this path of, I'd call it misery, right? Just pain and just suffering for no, for no real purpose. Um, later after I told Lexi as well, I was like, you know what, for all the things that I am conscious of, no matter what I do, I'm not going to pass on this thing that I'm observing right now to my children. Like I'm going to make sure I take care of that and get, get square on my things, become, become as consciously aware of all my stuff as possible you know, from all my therapy and all the life coaching and all the other things I've gone and pursued is because I really sincerely don't, like I, I, when I, we do have kids, like I, 
I'm going to mess something up. Nobody's perfect, but for what I can become conscious of, I want to make sure that those pains and those generational issues aren't passed down to the next, the next, uh, the next wave, if you will. Well, it's, it's, it's like the abuse cycle, right? You see it there as well. And you know, it's just, uh, the difference between physical abuse and, you know, mental or emotional abuse or whether it's abuse or not. The point is, yeah, I mean, it's generational. I mean, much of our behavior, I mean, who's our biggest influence for the first 18 years of our life, our, our family, our parents and our siblings. So if, if, if they're ones that are, that are acting this way, saying these things, I was just reading about that today in Daring Greatly uh, by Brene Brown, you know, this, this, what she calls the mind, the gap, where it's kind of like the difference between your, we used to talk about it as your real self versus your ideal self. And that, that difference there is what you need to overcome. And she were, you know, in England, there's the mind, the gap signs where, you know, you're stepping onto the train and between the platform and the train. So it's the same principle. And for a lot of people, you were upset that, you know, we pass these things down to our kids. You know, one of the examples was, you know, you, you pay for your groceries and you didn't get charged for something and your kids are there and you don't go back and pay for it. Well, but then you want them to live a life of honesty and integrity but you're not showing them that, right? So it's the same principle here. It's just that, you know, there's a gap and you need to mind it. And hopefully, you know, we're helping ourselves first and foremost, but then the listeners overcome that gap. I think this also leads into a lot of the victim mentality where I think in the, in the moment, it becomes very easy to just say like, it's somebody else's problem. Even if it's something like, if something clearly on the surface is like somebody else's fault, right? Some, somebody came and like beat you up, right? And you're just, you fell victim to that. Obviously, that makes sense why you'd feel like, wow, I was hurt. This is the problem. Obviously, when you hear, hear about like the schoolyard bully, like the parents, what the parents typically say, it's like what you don't realize is like that kid's really hurting, the one who is being the bully. And I think part of that is like starting to be able to have empathy and be like, why would somebody even get to the point where they feel like being vicious or taking advantage of other people or uh, really, you know, being, you know, behaving poorly in a way that really um, is damaging to others, right? Being able to see them for who they are, what, like, what, what did that come from? And typically it's like something really, really painful drives you so far in that direction, whether it's they're trying to just push people away so nobody can hurt them or, um, you know, they just, they want to feel powerful. They want to feel strong so that they don't ever feel that way again. But I think, Ironically, the, the, the flip side of this is by taking on this victim mentality is you completely give up your power to resolve the situation, right? Because now you're held hostage to waiting as long as it takes for that other person to decide that the, the issue is over, right? You're saying, if you're saying that somebody else, like uh, person X hurt you, right? You're waiting for them to come acknowledge on their own terms, at their own time frame, at their own whatever, that hey, I was wrong and um, you can be free now and I apologize and I've made amends, right? It's, you have to wait. And so you're doubly becoming a victim of, well, I was hurt once and now I'm letting my still, myself to hurt, right? I was not allowing myself to be open to other relationships. I was not allowing myself to be uh, open and free and experiment the same way and challenge myself the same way because I was still holding on to whatever reservations about connecting with people and to letting my guard down and being vulnerable in certain ways. 
because I was having my own stuff in the past. So it's like you're doubling down on this persona of I've been hurt and I'm always going to be hurt. Um, on the flip side, right. You talked about like the extreme ownership stuff. Um, if you decide, Hey, I was wrong. When I've been wrong, it's like, I can accept this right now. You have all the cards in your favor. And this is the way I typically like to solve myself. Obviously, you know, if you were beaten or raped or something like that, like, obviously like you're not like, that was not your fault. Right. That's forgiving that. But it's also saying like, you don't have to be the victim of that person for the rest of your life. You can move on and push things aside. Now that's not my specialty by any stretch of the imagination. So anybody who's ever suffered some of those things, obviously go seek your own, I always recommend to go seek a professional, the qualified professional for those things. But for somebody who's just going through something we're talking about, especially like takes two, tang two to tango, we blew up a relationship in one way, shape or form. If I say, you know what, I'm going to take full responsibility for all the things, right? Now it's back in my court on my timeline of how I quickly I want to resolve it, right? Because now I can say, I can go reach out. I can go talk to somebody. I can go talk. I can confront you directly and say, Hey, let's, let's patch things up. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. I want to apologize. I want to forgive, but now I have all the tools, right? I'm not just waiting for the other side. I can be proactive at taking my life back in one way, shape or form. Um, and I think that's a really important place to, to shift from, right? If you're still blaming, you are giving them more power. You're giving the issue more power and you're continuing to give away your freedom. In, in essence, because you're giving up your time, your energy, and you're giving up hell, you're even giving your mental and emotional real estate up to somebody else who might not even be paying attention to you or even care to, to think about that, right? Because they might be all lost in their own anger, resentment, and past traumas as well. Um, I know for me, like, I just was like, I don't want to spend my life angry. And that was a really driving, a big driving force, especially, especially of like, if somebody's going to take need me to be an example for them to be a better person, I definitely better not be stewing in my own BS for as long as, you know, the end of time, you know? Um, well, I think you make a really good point. You yourself can't move forward unless you're willing to do that. You're always going to have anger, animosity, you know, blame, in your heart, in your mind, if you don't move forward. For you, what, uh, I mean, for whatever you've been conscious of, what do you feel like you've been held back from by still like posing blame on somebody else? I don't know that I have specifics. I mean, I'm sure we can dig into some. When you ask it at that surface level, I don't know that I'm held back from any one circumstance right now. I think, you know, more recently dealing with other business stuff and partnership stuff uh, in, in current times, I blame a lot. And, you know, during the, the uh, relationship, it was a lot of this person's doing this, this person's doing that. But, you know, I think once something's ended and once you're, you're at the point where you can move forward, it's easier to accept that ownership and you realize Unless you do, like I just said, you're going to be mad. And I don't want to be mad at anybody. I don't want to hate anybody. I don't even want to dislike anybody. And, and part of that has to be from you saying, okay, this is my fault. If, if you look at the whole world, like when things go wrong, this is your fault. Or, you know, and whether it's fault, like you said, there's, and there are certainly scenarios where it's not. But, but if you're like, I'm responsible. 
I'm responsible for the, the way this is playing out. It changes your, your, your way of thinking about that person and the scenario and also just gives you more empathy. For you, what did you do in the situations where you did feel maybe you're taking on that victim mentality? What did you do to like shift it? And was there any like tactical steps that you ever had to like just shift the blame back to you or to learn how to take that, reclaim that ownership over it? I, I don't know that I can give like tangible steps, you know, um, and, and I think sometimes it's just time, you know, uh, let's dive into a topic. So you and I had our falling out. It was an 80, 20% agreement. You know, I owned 80%, you owned 20%. We had our falling out. And I would say we both blame the other person. Now, clearly, if we're both blaming the other people, that can't work. Like if you took an objective third party perspective and Caleb's mm -hmm. like, it's Jay's fault. And Jay's like, it's Caleb's fault. Well, that doesn't make sense. How can it be both of their faults? Um, so then I was in a more recent partnership as you know, some listeners know is with Thunderbro and, and it was the rule, the roles were reversed. Uh, my partner, Dave was 80% and I was 20%. Um, and throughout this last year working with Dave and, and, and I've got nothing but love and respect for the guy, you know, just, and, and this is because my mindset has shifted, right? Like, you know, there, there are parts of me, sure. I have some frustration and maybe a little bit of anger, but because I can take this ownership position, it, it, it doesn't allow me to be mad. It doesn't allow me to hate, you know, cause I look at it as like, okay, all of these missteps, all of these points where we could have communicated better, that's my fault. And during that time, I mean, it, it serendipitously, you know, you and I started talking as I'm like, well, fuck, this 80-20 thing is really hard to navigate, you know? And, um, you, you know, years had passed for us, and I, to be frank, like, hadn't thought about it, you know? And when I saw you, whether it was on, you know, Facebook memories or whatnot, it was, I was over it. Like, I wasn't mad. I truly wanted nothing. I was happy to see you married to, to Lexi and, and living what appears to be a fantastic life. I was a little happy you got chubby, but that's a side note. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I think by, uh, by, you know, sometimes it takes taking that different perspective and, and being in a different evolution of your life to be able to look back. But because I was able to see that from your perspective, it allowed me to see it from his perspective as well. It's very big of you. To think you to think I was happy that you were chubby. Didn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I was equally happy now to see you shredded with your shirt off every day, every time we record. I appreciate that. I made sure to undress just for this recording. Just what it is. Just hey. what it is. Well, it's it's getting a little chilly out here in Colorado. You know what it is? I take a cold shower in the morning. So I'm just cold. Still doing your cold showers? I got to get back on that, actually. I've you know, you and I were on a kick during the quarantine from Wim Hof. And we talk about, I talk a lot about morning routine. And I, was, I felt like I was trying to cram Wim Hof into my morning routine, like the breathing. And I think it's great. I, I think I'll come back to it. But it just, I really enjoyed the cold shower. I didn't enjoy the sitting down and breathing and breath holding. So, yeah, I, I do a one-minute cold shower every morning that I still hold on to. And I hate it. It's the like thing I I don't look forward to, but that's why I do it. Better man than I. I think I got it. <laughs> I did enjoy it. I love the feeling afterwards. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I go from that cold shower, I throw my hoodie on and I meditate. And it's almost like because you're cold, you have this like energy coursing through your body and it makes my meditation even better. So that's, that's why I like it. But, but man, that first, that first uh, step in the shower is a, is a brutal one. Much like accepting blame and accepting responsibility. It's brutal at first. At first. And then when you're done, what happens? You feel a whole lot better and you feel cozy in your warm sweater and your warm hoodie. <laughs> you feel, yeah, you feel cozy in your own skin. Was there like a, what was the turning point for us where you're like, you know what, this is where I wanted to take responsibility for X, Y, and Z. What was it after like we had started to talk? No, I, I, I think even, you know, you and I started talking early this year, so early 2020, and I had become a part of, of this company, you know, towards the end of 2019. And immediately I felt what it was like to be a minority partner, partner of it. And, and it, it opened my eye, like that was kind of it. So I think for some people it's like, okay, it's once you're, the roles are reversed or you're in a situation where, where you feel like, oh, now it was empathy, right? Like I was like, wow, this is what Caleb felt like. And then, you know, and, and let me go back further. It's probably when I was writing my book. It's probably a little of that because, you know, A, there was a chapter about you where I spoke and then B, I think it was, it would be hard for me to reminisce about Albany CrossFit without thinking of the great memories, not just with you, but Kevin and Dean and, you know, some other people that I was frustrated with at the time, but you know, you can't, you can't deny what we created as, as a whole, like, as a whole together. And, and it would be impossible to think back on some of the best memories there without you. All my favorite memories at the gym were when you and I were together, you know, a handful before, but not many after. So much bro time, plenty of time just sitting in the hot tub, butt ass naked, talking to new members, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I remember that. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorites. It really is. I think we've talked about that on the best hour podcast or the book follow up if you can't sell a crossfit membership while you're naked you you have no business you have no business being in this industry (laughs) (laughs) like we should go into like say and that should be it be like your first test you need to get a hot tub and you sit in it butt naked and welcome new members this (laughs) the lawsuits that will roll through after that that would get weird we got naked sunday we got naked hot tub sales training That'd be, that's, that's like next level vulnerability. I really think it's really powerful. I, <laughs> um, I feel like we had a pretty, uh, like a shorter episode today because I feel like we've, we've kind of covered a lot of these pieces that we've, as we've gone through the whole spectrum of, of the forgiveness. Um, I think like finally taking that long, hard look in the mirror and saying like, what role did I play in all of this is I think it's a really sobering fact, you know, that, that in some way, shape or form, we play a, a role in our own victimhood in well, life. Well, well, let me take a moment because I think you and I had a really deep conversation. Obviously we did a whole, we did a mind cor- mindset course yesterday, which, you know, opened up a lot, unraveled some things for me. You were for the listeners. Like I was, I was the one on film our buddy Nate was behind the camera and Caleb was on the computer the entire time, you know, asking me questions, you know, giving me feedback. 
And I think for blame, you have to dig into that fear. Because I think, I think for a lot of us, we have that fear. And like we talk about in the course, you have to unravel that fear. And a lot of it, you know, you come back, you can, you can really whittle it down. And a lot of that fear comes back to circumstances and relationships and, and until you remove that blame. And I, I think, I don't know if this is correct, but I think to get over blame, you have to have empathy. I agree a thousand percent. So if you're not willing to put yourself in the other person's shoes, you're just as guilty of being stubborn and well, tyrannical, if you will, you know, not willing to be able to be the bigger person, right? Yeah. So let me open up for a minute. I'm not going to take too long, but I'll open up for a second just to, for the listeners. Cause I think they need to hear it and they need to be able to, to do it themselves. But you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, fear of failure and, and my biggest fear. And for me, it's very often and very much financial, right? So I'm always afraid I'm not going to have enough money. And part of that is probably because I've never had a job where it's like, here's your paycheck and here's your benefits. It's always like, what's next? You know, I'm a trainer, I'm a, I'm a gym owner, I'm a virtual gym owner, all that stuff. Um, so as you were asking me questions yesterday, a, a memory that has eluded me, but I clearly, you know, impacted me was when I was maybe my parents were first going through the divorce. They probably weren't even divorced yet. You know, I don't know. They may have been separated. And um, I, I don't know that I, I, I don't remember the exact details, but I think my mom was teaching at the school I was going to at the time. She was a teacher and I think I was in school and the day ended. And I vaguely remember kind of like going to the office with her and we were like, okay, we're going to go home. So we go out into the parking lot and she's looking for the car. And I'm, you know, five, six, I don't have a perfect recollection. And, and she couldn't find the car. And I don't remember how she realized that my father had taken the car that was, I assume in both of their names at the time and replaced it with basically a junker. I was telling you this story yesterday. So it's basically like, you know, this is probably 84, 1984. So it's probably like an early 1970s car. And she loses her mind screaming, freaking out, crying. I remember we went back into the office and she's like kind of telling her coworkers about it. And then she's like, okay, we have to go find the car. And my father was uh, living with someone else at the time, you know, now my stepmother for many years who I also love. And she's like, where do they live? And I'm like five. And she's literally driving around Poughkeepsie, New York. Like, is that their house? Is that their, like, I remember saying like, it's red. And she's like pointing out every red house. And, you know, I, I know for me, and as we were talking about yesterday, a lot of my fear of finance comes from that moment. Like, mm. I don't ever want to be in that situation where I'm driving around a shitty car and I don't know, you know, if it's going to make it, et cetera. And, and I think it was probably that sense of dread and fear in my mom. So I believe a lot of my blame, you know, I blame I don't think I've ever spoken to either of them about it. And maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know if I want to open up that, but you know, I think there's a lot of blame for years of my father of that. Right. Like how could, you know, I think back about it. I'm like, you weren't doing that to mom. You were doing that to mom and me. And like, you don't realize a, whether or not it was, I don't remember what, maybe it wasn't a terrible car, but a, was it a dangerous car? Like what could we have gotten into an accident? B like, 
I had to deal with the stress of her because of that. And, and it, you know, but it was, you know, in talking to you about it recently, I also started to think about like, who knows, like I'm blaming him, but maybe there was a reason he did it or, you know, he didn't think about the repercussions of me being in that car with her, et cetera. So, you know, going back to, you need empathy. I think my relationship with my father, I wouldn't say it's been strained. We've always spoken, you know, we get along. It's, it's, it's improved tremendously in the last year. It's like crazy, the relationship I have with him now. But I do think part of it was like, all right, all the shit that happened with divorce, all the shit that I used to deal with as a kid where you would play me against one another or tell me, tell your father to buy this, tell your mom to buy that. Like when I needed to, you know, it's like, I just need a new pair of sneakers. Like, can, can one of you help me out here? Like I'm 14, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, so there's a lot of that. I think anyone that goes through a divorce, especially at that young age, is impacted. But, you know, you have to remove that blame. And without that, now I'm like, you know, at the same time, my father was probably in his 20s, you know, when this is going down, you know, so, okay, how mature is he at 20? Like, like I wasn't very mature. And, and, you know, so there's that, all, you know, so you have to really take a step back. And I think that's where, what I said earlier, and I didn't think about it until you and I started talking, but I think empathy is the enemy of blame. I agree. As you said all this stuff, and I respect you for diving deep there, you actually challenged, you pushed the, uh, you pushed the envelope a little bit today. There's one specific moment that I'll share too. So here we go. <laughs> you brought up the, my, uh, my upbringing, my, what I referred to for a long time is just as a cult, whatever, at the end of the day, I have my issues in general with typically with a lot of organized religion and things of that nature, but we'll, we'll put those things aside for a second. Um, as I was con- starting to confront a lot of my demons after um, my dad had cancer and i think i shared a little bit about him almost dying a few years ago stroke situation some other stuff um i started like on confronting fears and i think i told you the other day i was i was afraid of three things i was afraid of needles i was afraid of talking about my feelings i was afraid of being alone with my thoughts so i of course i went out and i found three things that would do that i found an acupuncturist hence needles uh i found um some professional counseling so there we go talk about my feelings and the acupuncturist actually just happened to have a meditation group as well. And so I'll lean into the meditation group. So I was going to this thing and we were doing, it's called the, the style was Zazen meditation. And you basically sit cross-legged for 45 minutes, staring at a 45 degree angle to the ground. And there was like three other dudes in a room, like a small room. And it's like, and you don't move. You're not allowed to move. I have plenty of amazing revelations from doing meditation. Not from, not, it's not where the story is really going to go. But one of the days, days we're leaving, I was just speaking. I was just like, ah, whatever. And I used to be like, oh, I grew up in a cult, that kind of thing. Rather, rather flippantly. And now I regret that because I was just basically being an ass and not really taking accountability for like the path I've been on in my life. Anyway, the guy who was leading this, great guy, uh, he goes in, in so many words. He basically says like, you know, someday you're going to have to get over that. And it was the first time anybody had ever defended it because mostly I would get like a joke out of it or I'd get a laugh out of it, or I would get some type of like, Oh, I feel bad for you kind of thing. I think I definitely was addicted to that. Like wanting to feel like, Oh, people like, like me and people like appreciate me because something right. And truth be told, like I had a, all things like my, I always had a roof over my head. My had I never 
didn't know that my parents loved me. Like I was pretty fucking fortunate growing up when it comes to those things. I didn't like, I had the basic things in life and that like I had people that cared. It just happened to be that I was in a situation where like I didn't, the, you know, the confines of a, the specific religious stuff that I didn't agree with. Um, but that'll come from another day. But I was the first time like ever confronting, like you're just being upset about all this stuff and you're not accounting for the fact that because you're also blaming the bad things that might've happened in your life on them, you're also not blame Like you also need to give credit to them for all the good things that's happened as well. Right. Because of this, you also had a family that just cared about you. They might've been a little over, my, you know, certain people might've been a little overbearing, but also like I was even any of my successes in life, it also comes from the fact that these are the people that, that raised me. This is the family. This is the guidance that I had, you know, for any successes I had, I had to also give credit to that as well. And for whatever reason that really stuck with me and uh, made me start to really relook at all the people that I'd had made perhaps negative experiences, maybe in the moment I started to realize like, wow, they actually gave me this gift, whether it was a fallout, which taught me resiliency, right. With you and I having a fallout, um, being willing to go my own path, learning that I could stand on my own two feet if I needed to, um, starting to appreciate when I did have more, uh, you know, uh, companionship or collaboration. Like that. I started to appreciate the value of that and the depth of that without the experiences of whether it was being in the structures of um, the religion growing up or having the fallouts or any of those things. Like those were merely just experiences that happened in my life. We can call them traumas if we want to, or we can call them inflection points. It was something that was bound to teach me a lesson. And it hindsight 2020, I was, I wish that I took more time to be like, what is this teaching me right now? As opposed to let me blame somebody else. So I can just kick that problem on down the road till eventually I'm going to have to come back and confront it. Um, so, you know, one for one, I appreciate you sharing your story about that, but it brought up the, that the other side of it, right? Because for the same thing, I have a pretty work ethic, right? You ha go out and you work your ass off and you have resiliency that, you know, no matter what, like you bank on yourself more than anything, if you needed to, I think, which is powerful. Um, I think we can start exploring, you know, what the flip side of, being posed as the victim or posing, you know, the, being the one who can blame the other person, what, um, what luxuries and what lessons that is affording us. And, uh, if we can come from that level of appreciation as well, you was talking about like empathy is kind of the antidote for it. The other side is also being able to appreciate, you know, the, the positives that came from that experience, whether it was, you know, that it was a vehemently different reaction, right? It wasn't like some positive, like everybody's all happy, right? It's you learn the most from your failures kind of thing. It's because of those failures that you were allowed to do it. I mean, you just talked about the course that we built together yesterday where you really, you really opened up and you challenged yourself on your own fears. I think that's really, really cool, which I think that leads us into like kind of what are our lessons going forward today? Uh, kind of sitting with this, with this empathy and then also learning to like appreciate the good things that have come from potentially negative experiences. Well, and, and you say like, what are the lessons from today? I think that is the lesson I would, I, I don't know if you have one written down, but I would tell people and I'll, and I'll give my example, you know, the, the, you know, this is live, you know, this is Thursday, the third, we'll put this up on Sunday. So I'm in the midst of, you know, going through the breakup of a business now and 
it would be very easy to be angry, very easy to blame. But that's actually something I spoke to Dave about. I was like, look, I have no anger animosity because here's what happened. I moved to Colorado. Roz is extremely happy being here. You know, she was unhappy in Florida. She loves this area. What else happened? We were struggling with pregnancy and we, you know, in Denver is the, one of the best IVF uh, hospitals in the world. You know, we were struggling in Florida. We moved here and, you know, today, actually Roz is 17 weeks pregnant. What else happened? We adopted, you know, Rocky, who's asleep on my lap. But, you know, that's because I, I found a rescue place in, in uh, Fort Collins, you know, which is also in Colorado. You know, what else happened? You know, I, I made some friendships that are going to last a lifetime in Nate, in Cody, you know, in, in a handful of other people. So I'm, I'm at a box that I really enjoy now, Ralston Creek CrossFit. So I think you have to be able to look at those scenarios and, and think, okay, what positives came from it? I mean, those are life-changing positives. And none of those, I wouldn't say none of those would have happened, but I don't know what would have happened had I not spoken to Dave and decided to move out here to be a part of it. So I have to show that appreciation. I think that's super important. I think that it takes the emotion out of it and you can come back to a place of just, I mean, I don't think, I think you're the same. Like you want to be able to look back on your life and just like enjoy the things, right? You want to be happy about the the things you looked at in your life and not feel the burden of like, it was just a train wreck. You want to be like, wow, I had all these great things happen. And that's usually what happens. Like, you know, as they say, time heals all wounds, that kind of stuff. But I think it's from those moments, like you just expressed, like you looked at the good side of everything that came from, from all that. Um, Anything else you want to share before we start wrapping up? I do have a quote for the day. I do have my words for thought, but. No, I think we, I think we both a shared, you know, even though it might've been a shorter episode, I think we both have shared a lot in this episode and, and and I would just, you know, that'd be my feedback to the listeners here is, you know, a a couple of things. I think it's multi-step one. If you're dealing with some shit, take ownership. What could you have done better? And that's like, like you said, you know, obviously there's extremes, but even if it's the breakup of a relationship, it's not all one sided against you either, but take ownership of what you could have done better. I could have communicated better. Certainly. And and almost always you could have communicated better. Um, After that, try to have some empathy for that person, you know, look at it from their perspective, which helps when you've taken ownership. And then lastly, think about all of the good that came from this, you know, even, even if you and I had never spoken again, so much good came from our time together. Obviously it's great now that we're talking again, but, but I mean, I think that's, it's a three-step process, right? It's ownership, empathy, and appreciation. Wow. Ooh. How about that? Oh yeah. There you go. I like Almost that. like, Hey, remember one of our favorite workout songs? <laughs> Which one? Oh, we are. That was, yes. You sent me that not too long ago, actually. If I remember yeah, correctly. I mean, that's one of those songs when it comes on, you think of um, good times and friends. Yeah, that, that was a crazy game of poker. Positive blame to you right now. I got used to just working out in like utter silence and quiet music that most people like lose their mind to because of all those days of listening to like the most mellow, like put you to sleep Dave Matthews songs <laughs> ever. And I'm like, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's just music. It's just sounds in the room. It's all good. Um, awesome. 
Awesome. So I, the, the challenge for everybody today then wrapping things up is, you know, as you just reiterated, um, take some ownership, right? Take a look in the mirror. I think awareness is super important. We've, that's really become a central theme with all of this. Become aware of what role you played in the downfall of your, whatever you're blaming somebody else for. Uh, have some empathy, right? Look at, put yourself in their shoes where they were at, or maybe even where they came from, right? Because sometimes the problem didn't stem from just that moment, right? And usually it never does, right? Something down the line came from that. And what else what might have been experiencing? What other stresses were on, the, on their plate during that time when perhaps the fallout was going down or what's on their plate right now as it's, if you're dealing with it currently. And then also look for some appreciation. And if you're currently going through it, like I was just saying before, like what, ask yourself, what might I be learning right now? What am I gaining from going through the struggle of this, of this separation or uh, challenge to work together continuously or whatever that might be. Ownership, empathy, and appreciation. Man, I really liked that. Um, I think, hey, if you take those three steps, it's going to change your life. I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say there. I really, I really believe that. Dare I say the steps to freeing yourself? Oh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. So I'll leave everybody with our words for thought for this week. Quote is focus on fixing the problem. Never focus on the blame. Problems are only resolved when solutions are sought. And that's from Catherine Pulsifier. And I think that really shows about, uh, shows how to take the emotion and take the volatility out of the situation, make things as objective as possible. And just the same way we did it, like, Find out what you're, become aware of what your, your own issues are. Have empathy, right? Put their, put yourself in their shoes. Give yourself, that's a tactical uh, step you can take. And then um, also take some, you know, be as appreciative as possible. But then also you can take action, right? Resolve it, right? In your current situation, you're, it's moving a different direction. No big deal. Maybe it's ending altogether for people. Maybe that's coming together closer. Uh, it's, 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 it's all about moving in a direction and, and taking action and actually just putting the past behind you in some way, shape or form, whether it's just forgiving and moving on or forgiving and moving together. So it's all good. Uh, anything else to add, my friend? Are we ready to wrap this sucker up? Uh, wrap it up, baby. Beautiful. All right, guys. So we'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Uh, make sure to share this with all your friends. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram. If you want to follow Jay, it's uh, at the Jason Ackerman. And you can follow me at Leb in real life. Um, you can also follow the podcast on at naked po Sunday podcast. You can do that and uh, you know, share with your friends on all platforms, whether it's Spotify or anchor or whatever the 90 other things we're, we're posting this on as Tyson yawns in my face. He's like, dad, I want food and I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> Um, that's all we got for today, guys. Have an awesome week. Go ahead and give that a shot. And please, by all means, reach out and, and comment under our posts or just reach out to us in general. We'd love to hear your feedback on how the podcast is helping you. Um, if you have any other comments or any other things you want us to cover, we would love, love, love your participation because this is a collaborative process and we want everybody to get the most out of it. So from all of us here, much love. Talk to you next week.